We are recording. Okay, great. Hi, Raina. Hi, Danielle. <laughs> this is the fourth episode of RX Express, which also has a new name, which I'm trying to figure out that is called How Are You Really? And Raina is in my research class with probably one of the best professors I have ever had. Mm-hmm. I'm frightened of him the first <laughs> until he started to talk to us, but it, it really is a great class. And what's nice about it is we're all very like-minded. Yeah. And one classmate who is not in this field right now, but really thinks like a social worker as well. And if I had to pick some people I would want to spend the whole day with working with, it would be this class because we all really know our stuff and we're learning and growing. So it's great. So Raina is a counselor at the Hope Center in Springfield. Hope Center is run by BHN, correct? That's correct. Yes. And BHN, BHN is a pretty big conglomerate. Yeah. BHN and CHD are the two out there that really have the monopoly on social services. And Absolutely. they amazing, amazing programs. Both organizations do. But what I'd like to start with, Rena, is if you could just give me a little background on how you got into this field, what brought you to this point, and a little bit about your schooling too, because I'm interested to hear about how you started this master's program. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the easiest way to go about this is just starting at the beginning. So when I was around 18, 19, um, I got my first full-time job as an insurance salesman and I hated it. Um, (laughs) I was working for Big Y, which is a grocery store in the area. And I switched to this insurance thing and I said, you know what, this will be great. And then I said, never mind, it's not. So I went back to Big Y. Um, and then after going to Big Y, my father um, works in the field as well. So my, my dad was working for BHN at the time and said, you know what, how about you just take a look on the website and see what programs are hiring? Um, because at this point I was in my associates program at Holyoke Community College. So I was getting my associates in human services and I said, you know what? I know I'm good working with people. I wouldn't mind working on addiction. Let's just um, go for it. So I started working at a detox, uh, Carlson Detox for BHN, which it's a great place um, if you wanna go there to detox from substances or alcohol. And one thing that I remember during my interview is the uh, interviewer asked, why do you wanna work here? So I grew up in the rooms of NA and AA. Um, My father, who is a wonderful, wonderful man, um, struggled with addiction for quite some time. Um, But at this point now, he almost has 13 years of sobriety. And, you know, he was an inspiration for me, you know, going to meetings with him not only helped me to support him, but it also helped me when I was struggling at the time. It was just 
a community of support that I knew he had um, and that I could also rely on as well. So when I started at Detox, it was really great. I enjoyed it. I started off per diem, just picking up shifts. I ended up working there full time doing overnights. And I was just an RS staff, a recovery specialist. So really I was just checking on the patients, um, making sure they were still alive and okay. So after working there, I was still doing my associates at the time and I needed to do an internship. So I said, I already work for BHN. Um, I might as well look for an internship within BHN, you know, easy peasy. They already have all my information. I wouldn't have to do a whole new orientation. Not like I don't want to sit through it, but if I can save a whole day and a half, I absolutely will. So I applied to the oh. center and got accepted as an intern. Um, so my internship really started in August. So I was about 19 at the time. Um, and it was really interesting because I was working at this place where one, I'm, I was a counselor. That was my role as an intern. So one, I'm counseling people on how to not drink. Um, and I'm not even old enough to legally drink. Um, so, so I started there as an intern, like I said, and I had such a good experience that, um, I know that I knew that they were hiring. So I did apply and I got a position there. So currently what I do and the role of a counselor at the Hope Center. So just a little bit about the Hope Center. Um, the Hope Center is a 14 to 30 day clinical stabilization service. So what does that mean? Um, after detox, people, individuals typically come to our center. So at our place uh, is where they stabilize. They can stabilize on their methadone or MAT dose, their medicaid assisted treatment. Um, so like I said, methadone, either Suboxone, but it's also a place where individuals can build structure. It's a very structured program. We follow a daily schedule, um, meals are scheduled. And so my role at this facility was to sit and meet with individuals one-on-one -on -one and really just focus on identifying their internal and their external triggers. I also run groups. Um, so I run psychoeducational groups and process groups. So really what we talk about is my groups I like to run. I run a compulsive behavior group. I also run groups on various topics such as like healthy relationships, um, motivation. And I also like to do a music group because I think music can be interpreted in any way, shape or form. And it's just something that's a little less therapeutic and a little bit of freedom and a good way for the patients and uh, individuals to process what's going on with them in their daily life. Because the first 30 days of recovery are so important that getting that structure and coming to the Hope Center can really be a good stepping stone in moving forward. It's also, again, a stepping stone in the event an individual wants further treatment. So if they wanted to go to either a halfway house or do an intensive outpatient program on substance use, or even just go to a sober house or return home, it's a place where people can gain some more life skills, 
start relearning the tools and learning how to apply them in their daily lives. So, I mean, I, I feel like there's not much very well done by me because we really try to focus on an empowerment model, you know, using the strengths of the individual and helping them identify. We don't just work with uh, individuals with substance use, mental health and substance use go hand in hand. So really we're trying to get individuals connected either with their providers or get them started with a provider because sometimes we need a little extra push to get us in the right direction. And that can be done with um, medication. Right, right. That's what I so do. one thing I have noticed in this field, when people are not at the high levels of a CEO or a licensed social worker, when they talk about the jobs that they've had, they say things like, because Raina and I talked about this right before, there's some words I have, I ban, I have banned them from my own language, is when you say I was just a counselor, because I will tell you that I have talked to a lot of addicts and they, one of the things that they have said is when they are checked on at night, it makes them feel so safe. So those are things that the CEOs and the big money makers, they're not the ones doing it. They may have done it at one time, which that's kind of the hope, but all these little tasks of the cook and the cleaning person and the counselors, it seems like you at the Hope Center do a lot. Yeah. Running groups is really hard. Absolutely. Do you, what, what part of that, your position there, do you find the most challenging? I think that what I find the most challenging, honestly, is one-on-one. -on -one. Um, in the social work field, um, they talk about how, you know, you don't really want to use self-disclosure as much. However, working in the field of addiction, people can really benefit from self-disclosure. I work with a lot of individuals who are in recovery, who have come through the Hope Center during their um, time when they were first seeking out recovery. So, you know, by having the individuals, not only that work there, that have lived it and been through it, but also people on the other side, such as myself, I don't identify as being in recovery, um, but I have a family member who actively is. I have family and friends who um, during that process of even me working at the Hope Center have obtained sobriety because, you know, of our life struggles. So it's really empowering working with individuals that have been through it. But I think the most challenging thing for me is sometimes connecting because I personally haven't lived through it. I haven't experienced homelessness. I don't know what you feel. But I know that through my own mental health experiences, you know, my struggles, I can identify with the same emotions that they feel. Um, it's, it's really wonderful and it can be really eye-opening to, um, to work not only with people who have already come through the Hope Center, but there's people I work with now that were coming through as a patient that now work with me and we were there at the same time. You know, I was a counselor while they were a patient and now we're both counselors and seeing them in that role is also so empowering. 
Um, but I think one of the challenges as well is having people um, pass away after you've tried everything um, and you did everything that you could do in your power. Yeah, yeah. I think when, and I have never worked in a detox. I have never worked in a center like the Hope Center. I have certainly known people that have, their life has been taken way too early because of drugs and alcohol. It must be difficult. Are you processing that with your other staff members, with the, uh, with the clients, if they knew them? Yeah. Because I would can word on the street gets very quickly spread when someone has died. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think it's something that's really challenging because as staff, I think it affects us all different. Um, it's, it's almost for me personally, and I can only speak for me. It's almost like I've become numb to it at times because I've seen so many people come through, um, and, you know, have their obituary card in my desk. Um, and it's really heartbreaking. Honestly, it is. And like I said, during my music, I do a music group. There's this one specific song um, by an artist, NF. And his song is called, Why Would You Leave Us? It talks about um, his own personal experience losing his mother to addiction. And, um, you know, every time I hear that song, I can't help but think about the people that have come through with not only, you know, parents, sisters, brothers, but also the children. Um, you know, myself, like I said, I've, I'm a child of an addict and, you know, that's just heartbreaking knowing, you know, that their kid or their family is going to then go without them. Um, right. So it's, it's, it's hard to process, but especially it's, it's a good opportunity to highlight that, like, this is real. Um, you know, it's, it's what happens in this world, unfortunately. And my only way I can think about it and come to terms with it is that these individuals are no longer suffering because addiction is a chronic disease that typically ends in jails, institutions, or by death. So, you know, if I just continue to think that they're no longer struggling, they're at peace, you know, it, it, it does ease it a little bit. Right. We have in this country so many different aspects, aspects to treatment. Mm -hmm. So there are forms of treatment that use faith-based. There's some that believe medication is really what people need. And I am a huge component of that. If used correctly, those medications are very successful. And then there's other people that feel, you know, this is something you got yourself into this mess. You continue to use and abuse drugs and alcohol you need to get your shit together. Mm -hmm. And that way of thinking can, in my opinion, be so destructive mm -hmm. and so hurtful for people that are on the pathway to sobriety. Okay. So when someone comes into the Hope Center, now the Hope Center takes any insurance. Is that correct? 
And you don't need to go there, right? Correct. So in the state of Massachusetts, we have our lovely healthcare system. So typically our program takes um, some private insurance, but typically we take all forms of mass health. Um, and we also take Medicare, Medicaid. And in the event that you don't have insurance, um, we can facilitate something, either getting you in the process of getting insurance. They typically start that while they're at detox or the hospital, but we do assist with that as well um, at times. So detox is the first step. Somebody can't just walk into, now where the Hope Center is located, mm-hmm. every time I drive by there, there's always people walking around. Oh, yeah. The shelter is right there. It's a pretty busy area. So, and yeah. Tell me the pro- tell me the process of someone if they're walking by, they want to get help. Can they just walk through the front door, or how does that look? So, our process, everything has to go through central intake. So, our criteria to get in to our treatment facility is a you gotta want help, um, and b you have to have used within the past thirty days. Um, so technically if you're at home, you've, you don't have to medically detox, but you say, I can't stop doing what I'm doing. I have no other options. I need more help than what I'm getting. You can call our central intake department at 413-733-1423. That's our central intake. Um, and either request to go into the Hope Center, or uh, we do have another facility in Greenfield called Northern Hope. It's the same level of care, same BHN, um, but that central intake department also helps you get into detox. Um, You just really speak to a central intake coordinator. So we do take people from home. We take people from detoxes all over the state of Massachusetts. We also take individuals coming from psychiatric units, um, as well as just regular hospitals in general. And we also accept, um, we are contracted with federal probation. So it's a really lovely opportunity because we are so willing to work with the legal system. Um, We also take individuals that have been section 35. So that's an involuntary, an involuntary treatment stay, basically. So we do take individuals from pretty much any level of care. And even if they've been at a halfway house and have relapsed um, or have been at a sober house and have used, but doesn't need to medically detox, we'll take them. So the Hope Center must be a locked facility, correct? Yes, it is, but it's voluntary. So technically, individuals coming off the street can't just walk in. Um, right. However, in the event that an individual is here and says, to heck with this, I, I can't be here anymore, I'm leaving, they can walk right out the door. Um, now, what about the Section 35? So individuals that are Section 35 to our facility typically do complete um, a detox prior. Uh, so... It takes into account, in order to complete our program, we develop an individualized action plan or a treatment plan with them. So really what we do is we set goals. What can you do while you're here? Um, How can we assist you? And what can you do to meet this goal? So by doing that, we're able to track the progress on the individual and like I said, our program is 14 to 30 days. So within that time frame, 
we're anticipating that you're able to meet all the goals set forth. So for an individual that is potentially sectioned there, they don't need to stay there the full 30 days. Um, we want them to just meet the goals and either go to further treatment or return to home with a support plan in place, um, either having additional resources such as intensive outpatient programs or support in the community, such as a community support worker or a recovery coach. So we really try to implement as many services as we can um, before an individual does leave. Right. I want you, if you can, yeah. to tell me what you like the most about this job, because you and I both know the pay in this field is not great yeah. until are in a higher position and which is why we're in school for our master. Yeah. So you, when you go into this field, you really have to love what you do. Yeah. Especially where you are, because you're not seeing the brighter side of everything. Mm -hmm. You're seeing the real struggle side. And one aspect of the hope center that I have heard is that people that have gone through that program, what they like the most about it is immediate structure. Yeah. It's this not flim flamsy, you know, come in and we're going to sit with you and we'll figure it out. It is very goal oriented. Yeah. Tell me just, Reyna, what you really like about doing this work. So, I mean, throughout my education, it's been really eye opening because like I said, I got my associates in human services. Um, I then thereafter got my bachelor's through Elms College. And now I'm in the master's program with you, of course. But um, during that time, you're required to do an internship. So before I started even at the Hope Center interning, I was working with kids at the Holyoke Boys and Girls Club, um, which was great. Um, the really great thing about social work and not just working in addiction is that you can work with any population. Um, so through these internships, it's really given me an opportunity, not only for growth, but to learn what I like and what I don't like. Um, nothing against kids and their parents. I absolutely love them. Um, but I have a soft spot for addiction. It's what it is. I can't make it any simpler than that. Um, but I think one of the things that I've learned throughout this is that people want to be heard and people just want support. That's what it is, whether you're a child, whether you're a parent, um, or whether you're just an individual with no kids and an opiate addiction, you want support. Um, even if you say, I can do this on my own, I can do this on my own. I've heard that so many times. I got this. I could do it on my own. Um, but then I see them in two months and they say, doing it on my own didn't really work. Um, so right. it's really, I think what's overall just gratifying, and I mentioned this earlier, is I've gotten phone calls in the past from people that have sustained sobriety. Um, I've gotten, you know, I've seen people in person saying, hey, I'm actually doing really well. And again, seeing people pursue not only furthering their education, but, you know, just moving forward with their life. It's, it's right. great. I mean, addiction is one of those things where 
My concept is it, of it is that it starts off typically as a negative coping skill, but then it develops into this chronic disease dependent on you know, our predispositions we have, whether it be we grew up and it was in our household or um, our doctor prescribed us pain medication or it's just you have that genetic trait. Maybe your parents didn't drink, but your grandfather was a raging alcoholic. Um, so I don't know. I I think I'm coming full circle, but either way, I I do love the work I do. I enjoy working with people. This is something I'm good at. I enjoy talking with people. So if it's something that I like, it's not always work. It's just sitting there and having a conversation. Right. One of the reasons why I started this podcast was to really showcase people doing amazing things in this field, because as many of the, we have so many issues that we need to deal with in this country, but we forget that there are people like you in that field every day doing amazing work. There's amazing people out there in the field and they are never discussed. It's always, you know, the, there's always somebody in a, a facility that's just given something a bad name. And it, it blows my mind when I talk to people and they have nothing good to say about our mental health system. And there are a lot, and that's why I like to keep this podcast very positive because we could focus on all the crap that's going on, but there's so many good things. I had no idea the Hope Center took in Section 35 yeah. men and women, right? Because the Hope Center men and women, correct? Absolutely. Yep. Co-ed program. I did not know that. And I think if we continue to have conversations, you know, in our class, we talk about these issues and we're all doing different things. And you keep this dialogue moving forward all the time. And instead of browbeating what's not working to death, working on what is. And those small, there's an expression that I love and it's think a yard, it's very hard. Think an inch and it's a cinch. And to me, that is really what addiction treatment is, is yeah. you want yeah. long-term goals, but at the same time, it has to be the here and now. Let's work on sometimes the next 15 minutes. What are we going to do? Right. And I think that individuals in the state of Massachusetts, um, and I say this a lot during my group, we don't understand, like people don't really realize how great Massachusetts is when it comes to um, addiction treatment. Massachusetts is wonderful. Um, people, you know, it's people typically when we, when we talk about medicated assisted treatment, um, there's really multiple views that you can take, but it's either usually, um, it's great. It worked for me. It saved my life and I'm off of it or that kept me addicted. Um, and so by having all the resources in Massachusetts, not only detoxes, hope centers, um, CSSs, but also all the different services for both men and women, um, and also women who are pregnant. That's a population that has a huge stigma against it. Um, There's programs specifically for 
women who are pregnant and their children um, so that they can continue to bond with their children and live with them and still be a parent. Same with men, there's men's programs where if they're struggling with addiction, they can still have their children. Um, and so Massachusetts really has taken this lovely approach of this is a problem and this is how we can treat it. Um, other countries in other countries like Canada, for example, they have safe injection sites. It's a huge form of harm reduction, that lovely model that goes with addiction. And right. that's also talked about so negatively, harm reduction. Why would you encourage somebody to keep using? And that's not the case. Harm reduction right. is supporting an individual and making sure that they are completely safe. Um, so there's a lot of services around here, not only treatment services, if you're seeking treatment, but there's also services like tapestry. They offer clean needles, they offer cleaning kits, and they also offer other forms of clean paraphernalia and reproductive services. So they try to educate you on Narcan. Um, so they're a really, really wonderful support just in our area of Western Massachusetts um, that tries to help. But the amount of treatment facilities and the amount of access individuals have is phenomenal. Yeah. So before we sign off here, Raina, can you give us the number that people can call if they want to get some help? from the Hope Center, what is the number again? Yeah, so our central intake number is 413-733-1423. Perfect. I don't do any advertising on this podcast. Like I told Raina, I haven't found anything worth advertising. However, I do advertise for Anchor because they're the ones that got me started with this podcast. It is the easiest it is unbelievably easy. So I think, Raina, in five years, you're going to be running a program. And you, what's nice, what people don't always realize in human services and in social work is everybody comes around each other. You know, you get to network with people. And I think you, me, and Liz and Kristen are all going to be connected in some way because we have the same mindset and it's been amazing to talk to you. Thank you so much explaining the process of the Hope Center. I learned so much about that place. I had no idea. So thank you again. And I'm going to have you come on again and talk about what you're doing next when we're done with these freaking classes. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Danielle. Anytime. I am always Thank available. Oh, and I guess I for um, pet care because I had a wild dog behind me a few minutes ago. That uh, Did you hear my dog? Yeah. Yeah, he's a mess. I can't do this podcast in silence anywhere. So thanks again, Raina. And I will see you on Saturday. Woo! <laughs> Thanks, Danielle. <laughs>